All right, good morning, everyone. Sorry, running a, <clears throat> a couple of minutes behind here, but uh, do appreciate everybody being here this morning. Um, before we get started here, we're going to start in 3 John, the epistle of 3 John. Uh, if you will, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you for this wonderful day you've given us. Father, we ask that you would lead and guide us in this study. Father, help us to learn what you want us to know from your word, Father. Show us how to put this into practice in our lives, Father, and how to use this in the way you would want us to use it to uh, grow closer to you and to grow into being the Christians you want us to be, Father. Help us to draw closer and be more like our Lord Jesus, your Son. And we thank you again and praise you for all your blessings. And we ask that you would forgive us for any sins, Father, and help us to do everything in this class in a manner that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> so we want to start in third, we're in third John. We left off, I think we just finished uh, second John last week, right? So this letter is a private letter. And it's really addressed to a particular person, Gaius. And uh, it, from what we see, you know, he calls him beloved, beloved Gaius. Um, and it seems like he is someone that is definitely not well known to John and this congregation that they're, he's speaking of is also well known to John. And... What we have here, uh, the author, of course, is John, and the recipient is Gaius. Uh, they believe that John probably wrote this from Ephesus, and they place it around 90 to 95 A.D. That's, you know, that's what they think when, it, when they think it was written. And really the purpose, there's three ideas here or three purposes to confirm Gaius is doing right. And to express, this says condemnation, but anyway, they need to correct this guy. Oh, well, I had this before. Diotrephes. Diotrephes. So there's some correction that needs to be going on there. And also to continue to encourage guys to imitate what is good, right? And that's the theme for this letter. This is a short letter. Uh, it's just the one chapter. And the theme is, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. So if we look at the outline, uh, well, actually, you know what? Because we're going to get into the first question, I believe. Well, we'll look at the outline. The outline here is greetings with an expression of great joy, the confirmation of Gaius, the condemnation of diotrophies. Diotrophies. I'm going to have trouble with that. Just, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it. The commendation of Demetrius and concluding remarks. So I'm going to go through, since these are for the introduction here, I'm going to go through this. Uh, the author, like we mentioned, was John, and the recipient is Gaius. And it was written from Ephesus around 90 to 95 AD. And the purpose, of course, was to encourage Gaius and also that they're going to have to correct diatrophies and... Uh, Let's see. And uh, let's see. Uh, suggested as the theme, of course, was to do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. And then we go back through. 
the outline here, the main divisions of the epistle. But if we move on to chapter 1, and I'm, I want to get into the actual chapter. In chapter 1 here, what are the main points of this chapter? That's why I was kind of like, well, if we go over that three or four times, that's going to be a lot. So the main points, though, are is we're going to have a greetings and a confirmation of Gaius, a, a condemnation of Diotrephes, and a, con, condem, a commendation, a commendation of Demetrius, and then concluding remarks. So let's read the first four verses of this letter. This is Third John chapter one, the first four, the first four uh, verses. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So if we look at question two, and we kind of covered this already, to whom is this epistle addressed? Gaius, right? Beloved Gaius. And beloved Gaius, I mean, from the way this epistle is written, from the way this letter is written, John knows Gaius pretty well. It, it seems like a very familiar relationship that he has with him. So, question number three, for what does John pray in behalf of Gaius? That, yeah, man. Right, well wishes for him. Did you have something, Kim? Yeah, I think it's interesting that he comments about his uh, physical health. Um, right. He says you know he wants him to have enjoy good health, and that all would go well for him, whether that means prospering or just all the things of life not being a lot of stress or, or whatever, but go well. But he acknowledges that. Gaius' soul is doing well. Right. It's, that is, is something to notice that he says, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Because he knows from his actions, from Gaius' actions, from the report he's heard back about Gaius, that Gaius is acting in a very mature, Christianly way, right? He's doing proper things. And that's part of what's what this letter is about too so he's hoping that his or praying i'm sorry praying that he would prosper in all other ways because he can tell that he's prospering spiritually he's doing well spiritually yes it's such a holistic view of not only his physical his body's health but more importantly the health of our soul and our spirit we're growing in the lord and Right, right. It's very important that we grow in the Lord and our faith, and it is a whole, it is a whole health thing that he's looking at here, that he's praying for, that he would be healthy in every way, and prosper in every way. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. So, question four: What gave John his greatest joy?
that his children are walking in the faith, right? And especially he's, he's mentioning, again, Gaius. He's referring to Gaius here in the first part. Um, so to hear that his children are walking in truth in the faith that they had been taught. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. So um, let's look at the next few verses, verses 5 through 8. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So if we look at question five, for what does John praise guys? Yes. Right. You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers, right? Which kind of goes back to the scripture that says, first to the household of faith, and then, of course, we're always to be good to all. Right. Which is, our enemies. Right. It kind of it goes back to what has been said in, in previous things, you know, doing good to all, especially those in the household of faith. Did you have something? Yeah, it's kind of a counterpoint. You know, we just read through the very short letter of Second John, where one of the main lessons I think we take away is don't be hospitable to the false teachers, right? Right, right. <laughs> so you know, don't don't be mean, but like don't like support them in that and help them teach the false teaching. Or on the other hand, when you have true teachers, you need to be hospitable. So that's kind of a counterpoint. Yeah, it is. It's kind of the other side of the coin. Whereas in Second John, we're told not to support and help the false teachers, but here he's being commended for actually supporting and helping the brethren who are coming through faithfully teaching the gospel correctly, right? So yeah, that is kind of a counterpoint to that. Um, so if you look at verse 7, it says, taking nothing... You know, what does, what does, what is, what is, uh, what, what is meant by like taking nothing from the Gentiles? What does that, what does that mean to you? I guess it probably means, at least I thought it meant that they didn't let the Gentiles support their work. Right. They weren't getting support. support. Right. From, and the, the thing is, the, the word used for Gentiles there is kind of the generic word and it's mainly, means non-believers, implying that, of course, the men of God, the missionaries, rely. Kind of a reverse, they're, they're saying, he's saying that the, the men of God, these missionaries, rely on support from believers. Of course, they're not going to get a lot of support from unbelievers, from people who don't understand and don't know. Yes? The NIV um, actually translates that as, instead of Gentiles, pagans. Pagans, right. And that's why I said it's a, when I was looking at this, it's kind of a generic word that, you know, mainly means non-believers, people who would, who don't believe. 
So they're traveling through areas where, of course, they're not getting any support, especially back then. You imagine these churches are kind of like isolated pockets of Christianity. And so as these people travel, they need that support when they get to these different towns and congregations, right? So it's, uh, in a way, it's a much more hostile world than we have now for them. Well, probably in a lot of ways, yeah. So they need that support. So if we look at um, question number six, what benefit do we receive when we support those who serve the Lord? And this applied to them and applies to us, right? Right. We become fellow workers. If you... Maybe you're not the uh, guy out planting the seed, but maybe you're providing the seed, or maybe you're helping in some other way. Uh, you become a co-worker. You know, you're contributing to that effort in some manner. And that's what he's saying here, is that they are becoming fellow workers for the truth. And so, you know, we're encouraged to support God's work because, you know, it's counted to our own benefit for our own, our own reward. Oh, yes. I was going to say, not just financially, when we put our collection in the plate on Sunday, but we need to encourage one, <clears throat> encourage one another with what we're doing in our lives. Right. There's encouragement we can provide, yeah, from our lives. There's time and effort we can do to help someone. It's not always about money. It can be, a, there's a lot of different ways we can help and do things. That's absolutely right. And then our own lives, setting the right example for people around us, that's important too. So if we look at, uh, actually, yeah, let's read the next couple of verses, verses 9 and 10. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren, and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. So we have quite a bit of conflict going on here, really. If you think about that, this letter is also a good example of how to handle some conflict going on in the congregation if you're having this type of thing, right? So if we look at question seven, of what was Diotrephes guilty? And I guess there's a number of things here, but... Yes, the, just like you wanted to be head boss. <laughs> he wanted to be the boss of the applesauce, right? That's that's it. That's it. He wanted preeminence. And, you know, I've, I had this whole thing about preeminence. What does that mean he's really seeking? Well, he wants to be the boss, right? Did you have something, Matt? Yeah, you just kind of wonder, um, what's the deal with this church over there? That, like, do they have elders? Is, is Diotrephes an elder and he's just, like, out of control or... They just not have elders, and he's just taking the vacuum. And well, I'm in charge, and just he's just being a real jerk. But I kind of wonder <laughs> why he wrote to Gaius then. Like, who's Gaius? He's a good man, apparently associated with this church. But yeah. he's sort of circumventing this Diotrephes guy. He's terrible. Right. He's not. He's writing to Gaius. Obviously, Diotrephes, and he he talks more about that. Is not going to listen to him anyway at this point. Not through a letter, probably. But uh, um. 
Yeah, so he's, you know, he's seeking preeminence, right? And he's also, yes, go ahead, before we... John. Right, this is John. He was, he was with Jesus. Uh-huh. And he's an apostle, apostle and an eyewitness. But he's not welcoming us. He doesn't want us here. He doesn't want us around. Like, that's the closest to Jesus, sort of, that remained at that time. And he was like, ah, no, we're not having you here. Go away. Right, the closest you were going to get to Jesus at that time is one of the apostles. And here he is refusing to even accept John or receive John if he shows up, you know. Right. So see, he's seeking preeminence. He wants to be the boss. He's refusing to receive John, the apostle. Do you have something, Pat? I was just going to say, John shows his authority in verse 10 when he said, Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind the deeds that he did. Yes. He does have authority, and he is is letting them know that. That's right. That's good. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's, we can't be sure which, what letter that refers to, I wrote to the church. but And, and I'm not sure if, if Gai, maybe Gaius is, maybe they had two elders, maybe Diotrephes and Gaius. And, but we don't know. We don't know any of that. That's, that's speculation. Did you have something, Shirley? Right, it can. It can if you get people who are, the, this guy, like like John says, he really wants to be the boss. So, and, and we don't know that he was an elder either. So, just saying, he could just be somebody who is, um, you know, maybe he's, you know how every, every area has people that are kind of well-known, their family is well-off and rich, and maybe they have influence in the community. He could just be somebody like that that thinks because he has influence in the community, he should also have influence in the church. I don't know. It's all speculation, right? So. Well, since John doesn't attend there naturally, or he wouldn't be writing to him, maybe this guy thinks, well, what does John have to do? What does he have to say since he's just writing a letter to us? I'm the one that attends it. I know what's going on. I mean, he could have a lot of reasons for his rude action. Yeah, he could have a lot of reasons for his attitude, and he may think that, well, I'm here, I live here, you don't live here, yeah. you're you're riding me from somewhere else. That's, that's, that's a possibility as well. So, But he's also, um, some of the other things that John mentions here, he's, let's see, he's prating against him with malicious words. Now, prating is to talk foolishly or tediously at length, okay? about something, to just blather on without a lot of value. However, it's with malicious words, so he's not being kind about John, is he? He's not being kind to him. He's he's saying bad things. Out of the church, that, that just, 
<laughs> right, and he's putting putting out of the church people who do receive the brethren, right? So he's getting rid of people, in other words, who disagree with him. Yep. So he's looking for that preeminence, that control, and if you don't agree with me, I'm chucking you out. You just go go somewhere else. <laughs> it is kind of a scorched earth policy, yes. And, and he's refusing to uh, receive these brethren as well if they disagree with him, if he does not, or if he does not agree with them. However, you want to think of that. So, so that's all the reasons I have there. I don't think we missed anything, and he doesn't accept John as an authority or a true apostle, like like Kim was mentioning. Does anybody have anything else on that? Yes. Okay. Let me see. Mine might have said something a little different. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Right. The, the implication, they're going forth for Christ's sake, right? Right. So this is damaging to Christ. The name of Christ, his, what he died for, is damaging to Christ. Right. Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Right. Oh, so diatrophies, yeah, is is opposed in opposing these men he's also opposing Christ right even even if that's not his intention and we don't know enough about him to know what his intention is and what his real thoughts are you know not not really yeah yeah now we know from what John says and I, I trust what John is saying about him but I mean we don't we don't know all the details and it says you know it does not receive us Yep. He does not receive John, does not accept John as as a man of God or with authority or as an apostle, is how I'm reading that. Yes? This business with the name, that's, that's sort of a... The Jewish people didn't want to say the name of the Lord and be disrespectful. Well, a lot of times in Matthew's Gospel, they'll talk about the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of God. The others will say the kingdom of God. But So the reluctance to say the name of, of God, they sometimes say the name. There is a Jewish tradition where they do not like to say the name of God because they feel it's disrespectful, and there's probably other reasons too. But so, so you'll find that they do try to avoid that. They create ways around that, which are it, it'll seem strange to us. But if you do know why they do it, it, it helps somewhat. But sometimes it seems strange to us when you see or hear something like that. Kim had found a reference. Was it yesterday? The some name I wasn't familiar with that they use in place of saying the name of God. But anyway, they... Huh? Hashim or something like that? Hashem is the name. Hashim. Oh, means the name. Okay. So they, they try to find ways to not say the name of God. So, All right. So that's, that's an interesting point, too. So let's look at the next couple of verses. Uh, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. So if we look at question eight, what exhortation does John give to Gaius? That, 
I'll just leave the question like that, though. It's kind of, it's kind of a, an encouragement to do this. Right, to do not imitate what is evil, but what is good, right? He's, he's encouraging him to not do that. And why? Because he just talked about diatrophies and the way that guy's being is not correct. So he's saying, don't imitate, you know, that. Or don't respond in kind. Don't, you know, act back that way, if you think about it that way. Right. So so because that's the evil here. And and this guy, Gaius and probably other members of the congregation, they were probably frustrated with diatrophies. And even John, you get the idea he's a little frustrated with him. But he's saying, you know, let's not respond in kind. Let's let's treat this correctly. So he says in verse 10, I will call attention to what diatrophies are doing. Yes, he says, I will call to mind his deeds. I'll take care of it. Yes, he says, when I get there, we're going to take care of this. See, it is kind of like when dad gets home, right? And he does. You notice John refers to uh, them as children, his children. So it's kind of that approach that he's taking with them. Let's see. Um, does, anybody else have any, does anybody have anything else on that before we look at the last couple of verses here? All right, so the last couple of verses here, this is basically John signing off. It's uh, verses 13 and 14. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. So there was no official question for this, but I was just, you know, what do you think greet the friends by name means? Just because that's kind of an odd turn of phrase. We don't necessarily, we probably, we wouldn't say it that way. Make it personal, make it individual. Let them all know that. Each one of them, I love them. Right. Personally, like, please give my personal greetings to each of our friends. I, I kind of made a formal thing of it, but... Yeah, it would be like, let everyone know personally that, you know, that I, I greet them or I'm saying hello or whatever that would be. Something to that effect, though, is sending his greetings to each person there. Because he's, he's familiar with this congregation. This is not people that he uh, does not know. Yes. Right. You know, there's like with our families, a best friend or somebody that we just were close to. It's like I have so much to tell you. Um, I could talk to you on the phone, or I could write you a letter, or I could email you. But I really want to see you and face to face. Let's talk. Right. Let's catch up. He's like, I have a lot to communicate to you. I have a lot to tell you, but I want to do that in person. I want to see you and talk to you in person. Right. And we get that way about things too. Sometimes, sometimes a phone call is not enough. Yes, Pat. I think too. Uh, one reason he wants to do that is because he doesn't want to just be doing all the talking. He wants to have them reflect back to him what what's going on. Well, that makes sense. He would want to have a actual conversation, right? Not a one-sided thing. He yeah. Wants to hear their side of the story. Yeah, and that makes sense. That would be a 
That would be smart too. Alright. <clears throat> so um we've got a few minutes. Uh if if ever does anybody have anything else on third John? Yes. Right, still talking about truth, because right? Truth is so important. He says, I love you in the truth, and that it brought him joy that they were walking in the truth. And right. how important it is to possess truth and hold on to it. Truth is very important, and you'll notice before. I see. I don't think, does he really mention false teachers in this letter? I don't think he really mentions false teachers in this letter, sir. But you'll notice there is a theme among a lot of the epistles with Paul and Peter and John and James about false teachers and avoiding that and staying with the truth and staying with the gospel, right? So there's a whole lot of a whole lot of that going on back then, false teaching. So you have to just kind of imagine that that's still that's still something we have to watch out for. And the only way we can watch out for false teaching is to be in the Bible and studying and knowing what God says so that we're not fooled and not led astray. Anything else? All right. Then we'll start here with Jude. Maybe we'll just get into the introduction and stuff here and uh, see, where, see where that takes us. So Jude, basically... Um, and this goes back to the theme I was just talking about. Jude also talks about false teachers and people being led astray or renouncing their faith. Here they mention apostasy. Now, apostasy is basically renouncing your faith or uh, denouncing your faith, saying, you know, I don't believe and, and not believing in what you did believe in. So apostasy is basically, um, yeah, renouncing your faith or belief, losing your faith or belief. So that's a that's a big part of this is the false teachers and people being led astray and the danger of, of apostasy. Now the author is Jude who stated as the uh, brother of James. Let's see, the brother of James, likely the half-brother of Jesus, right? That's James and Jude. So um, let's see, this... The recipients here, it says it's addressed to those who are called. And it was probably written to a particular congregation of Jewish Christians in Palestine, probably. But um, it's still good for all of us in general. And it's considered kind of a general letter for that reason. And they believe the date of it would have been in the late 60s A.D., and he's got a little bit on that here, between 67 to 70 AD. So, and the theme, the purpose and the theme are basically the same. They would be to contend earnestly for the faith. And that's what he's encouraging his readers to do in this letter. Again, Jude is one chapter. It's a small letter. And uh, we've got an outline here, which uh, covers... The first few verses are a greeting, the purpose for writing, uh, God's uh, judgments in time past. He does talk about some things from the past. Character and doom of false teachers, and there's that's probably the biggest portion of the letter. 
exhortations to build their faith, and then a concluding doxology. So like I said, the author is Jude. Um, let's see. I think we covered all of these things here. So I'm going to move us on, and we can get here to, again, the main points. I, I've got it broken down exactly the same as we have there in the book. So we're going to move past that. That's the same as what we just looked at. All right, so let's look at the first couple of verses of Jude. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So question two, how does Jude describe the recipients of this epistle? There's basically three things he, he says there. Called, called yep. Yeah. He says they're called. What else? They're sanctified by God. I, I'm sorry, I'm just looking for these three things he says here. He said them all together. So yes, yeah, sanctified by God, right, the Father. And then preserved in Jesus Christ, right? And yes, they are loved. That is not that is not wrong. They are. It's just that's not what he was saying here. He described the recipients as being called, sanctified by God, and preserved in Jesus Christ. So I think we're out of time here for this morning. So I want to thank you for your time and your attention. We'll pick up with the rest of Jude next week. That'll be, yeah, we'll start with question number three. So thank you.